Hey there, listeners. Thanks for stopping by to the podcast today. Please, before you're done listening to this episode, leave us a review. If you're on Spotify, you can review now. And you can also review on Apple Podcasts. But if there's any platforms that I'm forgetting about and you can leave us a review, please do so. If you're happening to watch us on YouTube, and if you don't know, you can watch these podcasts on YouTube now, uh, please like and subscribe to the channel and share the episode as well. So thanks for stopping by, everybody, and enjoy the episode. Knowledge is Power is where you come to hear people's life experiences to learn from. So without further ado, let's roll the intro. Stay hungry, stay foolish. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. I have a dream. We'll one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Hello and welcome back to the Knowledge is Power podcast. This is your host, Max Willett, and we got another great guest on today. So if you could go ahead and introduce yourself, that would be great. Hello, Max. Thank you for having me. My name is Jim Piva. I own Elite Auto Repair in Warwick, Rhode Island. Very cool. Well, I appreciate you coming out. Uh, today, we're recording on a very cold and rainy day in uh, January in Rhode Island. So not the best day, but uh, glad to have you in the, I've never called it before this before, but the studio. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, why don't you go ahead and uh, tell my listeners your life story and uh, how you got to this point in your life? All right. Well, I guess my life story, I've always had a passion for cars. I always loved cars, mechanical things. I liked taking things apart. Mm -hmm. As I was younger, I wasn't that great at putting them back together, but I did learn uh, over the years. Um, Never really had an interest in school, believe it or not. I always wanted to be a technician. Mm -hmm. Um, And so here I am. Uh, Geez, 40 years later, I'm I'm a business owner. Mm-hmm. Um, we own Elite Auto Repair in Warwick. Um, I started my career in 1980. At, um, I went to a school back then called Rhode Island Trade Shop School. Mm-hmm. Graduated from there. Um, had a short stint at Barry's uh, in Newport. Okay. Uh, I started off there. I worked there for about a year and a half. And then I worked at a place called Newport Imports at the time. It was a pretty small dealership, maybe four or five franchises. They had Jeep, Plymouth, Chrysler, um, Ferrari, BMW. Um, Then they eventually bought uh, Renault, believe it or not. You don't hear about them too much or that often anymore. Suzuki, and they morphed into this big business known as Newport Auto Center, Mm -hmm. which... Ended up buying Inskip. Um, they ended up with, I don't know, 30, probably 30 different franchises. Wow. And they treated me very well. I was with them for 12 years. Um, Rick Adoyan, the owner of the company, was a little older than myself. Um, and he just took that company and went nuts with buying franchises and dealerships and building here, building there. Luckily, he liked me, so he moved me from franchise to franchise. Mm-hmm. And my last stint was at Lexus. I opened that store at Inskip, Inskip Lexus, in uh, 1992. Is I guess 
Lexus came out in 90, but uh, it took them a couple of years to get the building built and whatnot. I stayed there till 1998, and that's when we went into business. My business partner and myself jumped mm-hmm. in with both feet, took a $50,000 SBA loan, and that's how we all started. Very cool. So was there a point like in your childhood that you thought that you would eventually own your own business, or was it... Is it just sort of something that came up and you saw the opportunity and you took it? No. Well, the truth of the matter is I always wanted to be a service manager at a dealership. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason I was held back is because I was very good at fixing cars. I was very efficient, very productive, and I had a knack with clients and customers and, um, I always was on the front lines talking to clients, going for road tests with them. I always enjoyed the people part of it. Mm-hmm. So uh, <clears throat> they never really gave me the opportunity to be a service manager, so I got frustrated. And, you know, thinking back now, I mean, service manager pretty much now is one foot out the door and one you're only as good as your last day. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of... It gave me a lot of time to grow and, and get mature enough to own my own business. And, and eventually I just said the heck with it and did exactly that, went into business. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been, it's, been a great, it's been a great life doing it, really yeah. has. I really enjoyed working on cars. I enjoyed dealing with people, building relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a very important part of my life that I think you know, I grew into, which was really cool. Very interesting. So uh, if you could just make sure the mic's a little bit closer. Um, Yeah, sorry about that. They're a little picky. Eventually I'll get better microphones. But um, yeah, so 1998, started your own business. Uh, When you were, you know, starting to ramp everything up, you got the place open. What was the most difficult part about starting that business? Hmm. Well, when we first started, we specialized in Lexus and Toyota. That mm-hmm. was the only two franchises that I was interested in. That's where all my experience was. It's, I just love those cars. Um, but I would have to say the most difficult was just the constant worry of not having enough work or, you know, not not being able to pay the bills or mm-hmm. You know that was that was probably the most nerve-wracking uh, part of going into business. Is you know, as a business owner, you're always worried about running out of work. You're always worried about you know not being able to feed your children. Yeah. <laughs> but luckily, you know, back in the day, I didn't mind working 12, 15-hour days, and I think the hard work and dedication and commitment to doing what it took to get that business off the ground i Mm -hmm. think that's that's was probably my most challenging part of going into business so just trying to find work consistent work you think was the most difficult or you know we've always had consistent work even today we have consistent work that comes in but Mm -hmm. it's always a worry that you're not going to have enough or you're Mm going to run out of of work so when you first started what was the most effective strategy to to help get your business in front of people? Um, Well, I think we built our reputation around honesty and transparency. So Mm -hmm. I have to say um, probably the relationship part of it. You know, I'm I'm pretty good at at 
getting in front of people and um, earning their trust and building that relationship. So I think that was probably uh, how it all started. So when it comes to marketing, what do you think was your most effective strategy? Well, to date is without a doubt um, being a member of BNI. Mm-hmm. Business Networking mm-hmm. uh, International has hands down been the single one thing that has built our business and brought revenue to the door that I've had to pay for for mm-hmm. advertising or marketing. Mm-hmm. So that's that's hands down. Is is I, I wish I can clone myself three times and have three <laughs> different ones. Although yeah. I am working on that. My son is currently <laughs> in your B and I. Yep. And, yep. uh, you know, I'm looking forward to what he's going to bring to the table. Yeah, he's done a great job. And um, I, everybody in the group that has brought their car there has had nothing but great things to say. That's um, awesome. And it's funny, I, I saw you earlier today. Uh, we're recording this on Friday, January 6th. This won't be posted for a couple of weeks. Um, but I had said I remember a long time ago, it was probably 10 years ago, that I saw a Ferrari out front. Oh, of yes. the of the of the shop and i don't know why i remember it being elite but i i clearly remember the right. logo and um because i was always up there for baseball all the time when i was a kid right. and um yeah it was just uh pretty interesting i and it's so funny like i didn't even remember that until like a week ago <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah i i i definitely like to say that i'm interested in cars i am nowhere near uh, mechanic, you know, I, I can, I can watch my friend do the brakes on my car for me. I'm pretty right. good at that. <laughs> Standing there, here's, here's a wrench, here's a tool, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty right. good at doing that. <laughs> but I do love like talking about cars. And so was it just sort of coincidence that you specialized in Lexus and Toyota when you said you were working at the other dealership or were you able to choose the cars that you were able to work on when, when you weren't owning your own business? Well, no, I always worked at a dealership. Okay. So, I mean, I've only I've only had three jobs in my life. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But one was at uh, at Barry's working mm-hmm. on Nissans at the time. Um, but it was really Newport Auto Center that gave me the opportunity to try other franchises. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I started off at, at Newport Auto Center working on Chrysler, and then I did a little bit of BMW work, mm-hmm. and then. They bought, at that time, they bought South County Toyota. Um, It was called South County Toyota. And Rick moved me over to South County Toyota. That was where I really started to love Japanese or Toyotas. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, when Lexus came to compete with all the highline European cars, that was a no-brainer for me. Yeah. Um, But going into business, as I said, we first started off with just Lexus and Toyota. And then, again, having this in the back of my mind, always worried about running out of work. And a guy who owns a Lexus might say, can I bring my Mercedes in? Or or a Toyota guy, you know, uh, might have a, a European car, BMW or Mercedes. Um, so we started to dabble. I started to dabble with that. And then as time went on, I hired more and more people. And currently we have 10 people. Um, but I hired more techs and, uh, as a result, we got really good at the European cars Mm -hmm. 
And now, you know, fast forward almost 25 years, we're mostly a European shop. Mm -hmm. What we started off is just Lexus and Toyota. Now we're mostly European, which is everything from, you know, Audi to Mercedes, BMW, Porsche. Um, you said it right. That's that's you all our right. Porsche. <laughs> that's all our uh, that's all our real blood now is mm-hmm. is those European cars. Um, you know, and as time went on, Lexus and Toyota they got into these long, long, uh, lifelong uh, services. So their services have cut down um, quite a bit. Where they used to have time in belts, which mm-hmm. was you know a good job to do. Now they have time in chains. Um, they used to do the 30s, the 60s, the 90,000 miles. They've expend, extended that type of service where you're not doing a whole lot on them anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so we had to reach out and start grabbing some other vehicles to work on in European cars, you know, the most exciting cars to drive. Um, not the most reliable. Mm. So we do fix a lot of European cars yeah. because of their reliability factor. But what's some most popular brand that comes in with issues bmw (laughs) (laughs) well uh, i'm gonna send this episode to one of my friends and if he ends up listening to this then um you know exactly who you are uh this kid bmw not his dad gave him a bmw when we were in high school and it has it's it's a 99 325 is it an s i s i s i s coupe five-speed manual it it's really a beautiful car right um but it has like over two hundred thousand miles on it no that's great and they've had no issues with it oh that's which rare yeah exactly (laughs) well it's got this straight six because we were talking about earlier also you know we're gonna get into cars technical i guess you know the straight six i mean where we live in america the v8 you know right the, the is it the flat not a flat plane crank that's the european one isn't it or what is uh you know what i'm talking about the uh i don't know just like the, the regular v8 is, right. is the best v8 yeah, yeah is true. the best engine in the united states but in my opinion the best engine overall is a, is a straight six i i believe that's been predicted already for being reliable is yeah the straight sixes are always strong engines yeah it's it's the combination of reliability and and i know this is you know not the greatest thing to talk about when it comes to just overall car experience or or fun is gas mileage they don't they're not usually horrible on gas you know they're not the best like a little four cylinder but they sound great in the right car with the right setup and they're just great engines you know like i've been lucky enough to drive some some straight sixes and porsches and a cayman and like I think that's what is that? Is that a four liter in those Caymans or they have it? four liters? Okay. Yes, yes, and it's just a, amazing. It, it revs and it it sounds just incredible. Like, yes, you like, can get a lot out of the six cylinders yeah. nowadays. I mean, a lot of yep. these six cylinders um, is the ones they beef up with the turbos and mm-hmm. all this other stuff going on that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're yeah, the six cylinders are nice medium size engine that's pretty reliable yeah and the unfortunate thing is all these na engines like they're going out of whack like there's no more na engines right. naturally aspirated engines sure uh it's all turbocharged it's all right. it's all smaller engines turbos four cylinders or really small six cylinders that displacements aren't displacements are still pretty uh 
pretty comparable. I mean, yeah. you know, you can get a, uh, you know, a four liter, four liter V8 Toyota with small, yeah. eight small pistons. Yeah. Or you can get a 4.5 straight six with six big pistons. Mm-hmm. The displacement is very comparable, but the power that you can get out of the six cylinders are pretty cool too. Well, I think in the new Forerunners, they're still offering the four liter six cylinder, which is Correct. an ancient yes. engine. Yes, six for uh, four, yeah, six cylinder. Yes, um, which is an ancient engine from mm. you know, like Toyota seems to be sticking to that that engine in that car. But we'll see what happens to it in the next couple of years because they're constant. Well, not Toyota, but most automakers are constantly updating their cars. Yeah, Toyota. Know. I mean, what's made Toyota so reliable? Well, a few things, but um, they're not looking for the next best thing constantly like mm-hmm. the European cars are. They they take a you know a platform and they perfect it. Mm-hmm. And you know what what I learned a long time ago. You know, let's use Lexus, for example. In Japan, there's no Lexus. doesn't mm-hmm. exist. It's just an extension model of Toyota. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we when we first got introduced in 1990 to Lexus, everybody thought, oh, yeah, it's just a dressed-up Toyota. Well, yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. It is a dressed-up Toyota. But in that. Japan, it's a Toyota whatever they call it for a model, we call here a Lexus. And the reason they were so bulletproof and still are is many cars that Toyota sends over here um, have already been proven in Japan. Mm. You know, some of these models that come over here is an old model in in Japan. So that's why is they've been able to fine tune these vehicles before they send them out. And that's why they're so reliable is mm-hmm. because they've been proven already. So what happens if somebody comes to your shop and says, hey, I got a Tesla and I need some work done on it when it comes to the batteries? What do you say? Well, it's uncharted territory right now. Yeah. Um, I can tell you there is some maintenance on Teslas. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, you know, let's say they'll never need brakes. Well, there is a brake service for a Tesla. You take them apart, you clean all the rust out of them, you mm-hmm. lube them back up, you put them back together, and, and that's a brake service. Mm-hmm. So uh, you do have brake fluids. Um, there's, you know, tires. It's still got suspension. Would you guys uh, work on it on one, though, if it had battery issues? Like, um, I, don't, I don't think so. Not yeah. right now. There's not enough information out there that mm-hmm. I would feel comfortable on it. Mm-hmm. Um you know, again, I can do A, B, and C on a on a Tesla, yeah. but I wouldn't get into the intricacies of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, by the time we see cars, it's we use our sweet spot of cars that are four years old, just out of warranty, mm-hmm. um, to like maybe two thousand ten. You yeah. know, that's that's our sweet spot, two thousand ten yep. to twenty. You know, two thousand twenties. You know, somewhere in there. 2019s yeah that's our sweet spot for cars so that's yeah. what we're seeing yeah um it's interesting i mean i like i said before I, I love cars and by far like my dream car is a porsche carrera gt beautiful car yes last uh analog supercar and and something else i mentioned earlier today a lot of people confuse cars that are fast with being fun 
Mm. Right? Just because a car isn't as fast as another car doesn't mean it's not fun. People drive Miatas and have the best day ever. Oh, yeah. Because they're tiny, rear-wheel drive, manual transmission most of the time, and they're fun. Mm. Right? But people think that because it's a Ferrari and it goes 0 to 60 in under 3 seconds and it's got all this horsepower, it's like, well, you're afraid to drive it. Yeah, you can't unleash that around here. No. You know, especially in the Northeast with the potholes. And oh, my gosh, yeah. <laughs> like, if you drive a Miata, you can floor it. Go all oh, yeah. out in the corners and you're going 40 miles an hour. Yeah. <laughs> you do that in a Ferrari, <laughs> you're going to be arrested and put in jail for 20 years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. Like, and, and you're afraid to drive these cars. So in my opinion, the, I mean, Porsche is still a premium brand, but the older Caymans, even the Boxers, I've never driven a Boxster before, Yeah. but those older manuals uh, with the straight sixes, I would take one of those over uh, a Ferrari any day of the week. Like just oh, because definitely. you can drive it, you can have fun and not feel bad about it. And reliable. And they're reliable. That's Porsche's pretty bulletproof with mm -hmm. their reliability. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, we see a lot of them, especially in the summertime when they come out of hiding for the winter. Um, we see a lot of Porsches and I'll tell you what, they're pretty reliable. They're mm -hmm. very, you know, they're very bulletproof. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the, everything you do on them is expensive, but yeah. but the thing is, is very rarely are they breaking down. Mm -hmm. they're, they're just not. You don't get them towed in unless it's a flat tire, and they don't have a lot of room for spare tires. Yeah. So, so yeah. you know, you're getting it towed in. Usually, it's a flat tire. It's not because it died on the road. Mm -hmm. So yeah. yeah, the unfortunate thing about all these cars is they're getting needlessly complicated. You very. know, and it's all this technology and all this added stuff that's gonna break within 10 years and it's gonna oh, yeah. cost a lot of money to fix it and you're seeing that unfortunately with porsche with bmw it used to be the ultimate driving machine mm. and now it's like you're driving a computer we spend an enormous amount of money just subscribing to the information to access for the cars which people don't understand yeah i mean we're spending you know we're spending 15 grand a year just to have the inf just to be able to access information from the inf the manufacturer, mm -hmm. um, which is a brilliant business model on their side. Oh, it is, <laughs> it is, and uh, you know, never mind if you have to change a computer or something, mm. and you got to download information from the old computer to the new computer. Beside paying the hefty amount every month, you got to pay per programming mm -hmm. too. So, uh, yeah, it's not nuts and bolts anymore. It's, you know, some cars, you know, they have 100 to 200 computers nowadays. Yeah, it's insane. It's, it's ridiculous on, on what you have to know today. Yeah. So let's get back to, to your business and your business career. Sure. I'm sure we'll get off on another car tangent later down in the, <laughs> in the conversation. But um, so let's talk about, you know, all right, your business is running. When you first started your business, how did you hire other people? And what was the process? Because obviously you had never hired people. I mean, you were in business before working for somebody else. So was there anything like, did you hire people there and then you took that knowledge and applied it to your business? Or was it the first time you were hiring people? Well, originally it was just my business partner and I. And what I was doing is I was fixing the cars, mm -hmm. answering the phones, ordering the parts, charging out the parts, um, 
doing every, you know, dealing with people walking in, you know, constantly distracted doing the physical work on mm-hmm. the car, but still managed to do it. Now, my business partner, she was doing all the administrative stuff, all the bill paying, and believe it or not, one of the greatest, one of the, of the great things, I learned many great things from Newport Auto Center or in Skip, you know, all the same guy. Um, every car that we serviced, and even today, we wash, vacuum, and clean the windows. Mm-hmm. Well, my business partner, Katie, she was doing the washing windows, vacuuming the car while pregnant <laughs> <laughs> with our with our second child. Yeah. Um, oh, so your business partner was your wife. At the time, she was okay. yes, and she's still my business partner. Okay, um, she's a great business partner. Yeah, but I mean, it's and that's how we get the family dynamic. My son's in the business. Mm-hmm. My daughter's in the business. Um, I have another daughter who's a hairstylist, so she's she's seeking out her own business. Eventually, mm-hmm. she'll maybe own her own business. Mm-hmm. She certainly got that opportunity. Um, but the other two, uh, Sam and Carly. Uh, they're both involved, very much involved in the company. Um, so, yeah, all this was going on when it was just Katie and I. And then the first person we hired was actually uh, to answer the phones and, and deal with estimates and order parts and stuff like that so I can focus on working on the cars. Mm-hmm. And then that's when we started after that. I hired a second technician. It was myself and someone else, uh, Nelson. He was a great great asset to us he worked very hard with us he now works for toyota um but he him and i geez sometimes we work till four or five o'clock in the morning i mean we only went home just to get an hour sleep so we can come back and work again yeah so i had a really hard working first guy that you know had the luxury of being able he was young so he had the luxury of staying as long as we could and Mm -hmm. and i'll tell you he he was a great asset to us to get us off the ground Mm because he had the flexibility too but yeah it was it was tough at first trying to wear so many hats and do my job effectively Mm -hmm. um but i don't know somehow you managed to do it Mm -hmm. and you know that's how it was and then you know, next thing you know, you, you know, we hired a car washer, we hired another technician. So, uh, you know, we had, we had our share of employees, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But would you say it was one of the, the more difficult parts of your business or were, did you get lucky enough times? Right now it's the most difficult part. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know where everybody went. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, any trade right now, I don't think I'm any different than a, a plumber or electrician. Everybody's suffering to find good help. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's a struggle. It's a struggle. Today's te- that's our number one struggle right now is finding good technicians. Mm-hmm. Well, you are looking for one right now, right? We are. Yeah, yeah so we're always marketing for them because yep. you never know. I wouldn't mind having you know a full staff and have a few sit in a bench, but. The bench is empty. Mm-hmm. You know, we used to do that years ago. We used to, geez, you know, I had a few people sit in a bench and I had people that were working and it was, you know, it wasn't a problem. Today, mm-hmm. today you got an empty bench and you're suffering to, to fill your shop yeah. with tax. It's not even a, a it's, it's come to a point where it's not even getting new business isn't really a problem. Mm. It's, it's 
getting the work out the door is becoming more of a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, today's generation, you know, the, the younger crowd today, where years ago used to forge through by working hard and working long. Today's generation doesn't like to work hard or long. So, so you got to, you know, and they're not very patient that I found. So, you know, you get these kids, these really good kids that are coming out of these trade schools and they go into their job of their dreams. They go up to these big multi-million dollar dealerships with, you know, $10 million in inventory all BMWs and Mercedes and Land Rovers or whatever dealership they go up to, they have this great dream that they finally hit their career. And then they get there and there's no support for them. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, not having support and having an impatient generation, they have a bad experience. And guess what? They say, I'm not getting into cars, and they walk off. And then next thing you know, they're doing whatever they do. They feel like they're owed something. Yeah, well, I mean, they're, I don't know what it is. They just don't have the patience, you know. Mm-hmm. They just don't have the patience anymore or the focus or, you know, this this job didn't work or I don't like this career. Let me try a different, you know, guy or a different place or maybe a, a small independent shop or, mm-hmm. you know, they, they just – Unfortunately, until our industry embraces these young kids coming through the schools, um, we're going to always have this problem. Yeah, I think an unfortunate reality is that uh, it seems like, and I'm lucky, I went to a really good school in, in Cherahoe, but a reoccurring thing that I see coming up is that kids are constantly told that they have to go to college in order to be successful, mm. which is so far from the truth. Very much. You know, like, and, and, and they're promised a lot. Like, mm. kids are promised you're going to go to college and you're going to go work somewhere and then you're going to be making six figures by the time you're 35. Right. And it's all going to be great. You're going to have a car. You're going to have a house. It's, it's, it's just copy and paste. But then when life actually starts happening and they get out of their little cubby of high school, it's the complete opposite. They realize, oh, well, What's, uh, this right. isn't as easy as I thought it was going to be. You don't you don't get a trophy for being in second place anymore. No. <laughs> it, y- yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's something that needs to stop too. You know, it's right. it's sad. You know, when it, like I've been promised things before in different aspects of my life, and you can't expect something. You just got to go do it yourself. It's a very simple aspect of your life that you just need to embrace. You know, don't expect things to fall in your lap. Don't expect opportunities to right. happen. Do them yourself. Get out there, work hard. You know, the harder you work, the luckier you get. You create your own luck. Well, I mean, I got a little, I think maybe I can beat the curve here with a little forward thinking here. Luckily, I have a great staff Mm -hmm. and it allows me to be out of my shop for two days out of the five days. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've volunteered my time to Coventry High School mm-hmm. in automotive. Okay. So what I'm doing is I'm helping the teacher. I'm a teacher's helper. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, with knowledge. Yeah. And I'm helping these young kids in high school learn about cars. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, <coughs> even though I'm doing it to give back to the community that's been really good to us, 
but I'm also doing it at the same time to try to try to um, hire talent before it gets out in a big world and gets ruined mm-hmm. by you know people that don't want to embrace these kids coming out of school, and uh, you know it's working pretty good. Yeah. I, I really like it. I, I really enjoy it. And you know, how many years have you been doing that? I actually just started this year. Okay. I'm, I'm I'm here there every Tuesday and Thursday, mm-hmm. um, and it's 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 going pretty well. I mean, I got these kids now where when I first started there, you know, they were constantly going up to the first teacher, which is the full time teacher, um, asking them questions. I'm like, Jesus, you know, I can answer that question. I'm thinking to myself, I can answer that question. And now I've been doing it for I don't know a few months now, and now I got the same kids coming up to me and asking me questions too. Mm-hmm. So I think they're embracing it as much as I am. And, uh, you know, they also know I own a shop. So they're, they're interested in that. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's working out pretty good. And I'm, and I'm really happy to have the opportunity to do that. You know, not only have the free time that I can do that and mm-hmm. offer that, but I'm, I'm very happy that Coventry high school, opened up the opportunity for me to do it because uh because it's really i think it's a it's definitely an advantage to hoping somebody walks through your door i mean i'd love to bring up these you know grab a nice high school kid out of high school you know unless they decide to go to new england tech or you know move on with their career which Mm -hmm. which is fine too but those not everybody can do that Mm -hmm. but if i find a kid like you mentioned find a child that that is uh capable and a hard worker and conscientious about what he's doing and cares about what he's doing I'll hire that child anytime over you know some kid that was forced to go to school or Mm -hmm. forced to do something he really didn't want to do Mm -hmm. you know you got to enjoy what you do Absolutely. Um, that's the secret to success. Is, the only way to do great work yeah, is to love what you, you do. You love what you do. I mean, you that's hands down. Any parent can say, oh, yeah, my kid, you know, going to Harvard. My kid's going to Yale. Well, if your child doesn't want to do that, mm-hmm. guess what? We, he's going under, he, he's not going there with a positive mindset. You know, so, you know, as long as you love what you do, you can be successful. Yeah. I mean, I'm a high school graduate and, you know, 25 years, we're still in business and we're thriving and we're known out there to be a great shop. So, you know, you, if you love what you do, it radiates. Mm -hmm. If you don't, it's not the ultimate success to me. You can always tell when somebody doesn't really enjoy what they do and it's almost instantaneous Mm. when, cause I go, go to a lot of networking events and I meet people who act like they are forced to be there. Mm. (laughs) People that work for (laughs) larger companies, I'm not going to say who or what company, but they're just there and they're like, oh, yeah, I I work for XYZ company and I do this. I'm like, oh, really? They're like, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) I'm like, sounds like a blast. As they look down a little. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm like, and it's like when I go and I talk about 3D printing or this podcast or, or real estate, like, like real estate being my newest thing is is the great thing about it is it's still my own business and it's something that affects everybody real estate affects everybody you know you got to live somewhere 
and it's and it's a really interesting topic because there's so many different aspects you gotta hey there guys sorry to interrupt the episode but i just wanted to tell you that i got my real estate license in the state of rhode island so if you need to buy sell or need help renting a property in the state of rhode island feel free to reach out contact me at maxwell willett at kw.com or call me at 401-487-4477 and i'd be more than happy to help you thanks guys and enjoy the rest of the episode think about so many different parts of the industry that people that have been doing real estate for 30 years are still going out there and learning new things Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and then when it comes to 3d printing the technology is always advancing and then this podcast is a way for people to access information from regular everyday people mm-hmm. you know that have very important life lessons to share mm-hmm. you know i'm being very passionate about what i do right now right you know just like you have to love what you do i'm not saying yeah. i do great work but when it comes to i'm not gonna you know pat myself on the back but i mean i love what i do and hopefully i do great work but you're right. absolutely right and um yeah it, it yeah. You can always tell when somebody doesn't like, and it's crazy. You'll meet people like I know my insurance agent, right? Um, I'm going to give him a shout out. He's been on the podcast before. Jeff Frizzoco, uh business insurance. He's in BNI. Mm-hmm. Like I never knew somebody could be so passionate about insurance, <laughs> <laughs> but the guy, well, both dead. the insurance agents, I'm not part of the, I actually am leaving BNI, but oh, um, yeah. both the insurance agents, I'll give Holly a shout out too. Holly, um Holy martin. martin martin yes she's a good friend of ours too yep she yes. changed her last name recently and i had to right. think about it because right. she got married um but um yeah like those two people love what they do they and do it, you and can tell insurance. that insurance yeah can, you know it's funny you mentioned that because her husband uh casey yep. he's, he's in my b and i group yep okay and i specifically asked casey about holly so I can introduce Holly to my daughter and my son because mm-hmm. she radiates that positive energy. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and of course, with my daughter, female to female, I mean, what's better than that? Yeah. And my son, you know, my, my daughter ended up going a different direction, not, not, in a, not in the social groups, but just a different direction in our business. Um, and Sam, my son that graduated from Nichols College last year, he stepped up to, to be where where um where uh, carly is he's more in the front i wanted him to join a bni because he's very social and he's very easy mm-hmm. to get and you know him yeah. he's very easy to get along with and uh i introduced holly to him as well because mm-hmm. i know holly she's he's whether it's my son or my daughter they're in good hands with holly because mm-hmm. holly's holly's an uplifting person mm-hmm. so but it's funny you mentioned holly because i know exactly who you were talking about when you said holly yeah yeah but yeah it just tie, all ties into you got to love what you do and you'll do great work you right. know that it always come with each other um but yeah, let's talk a little bit more about your business. Uh, let's, this is a pretty common question, though. What What do you think is the biggest misconception about auto repair shops in your industry? I would say dishonesty. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think auto repair shops are dishonest. Um, it is very easy to be dishonest. Yeah. But that takes a person 
to be dishonest. You mm-hmm. know, that, that, that's, you got to go in with intent to be dishonest. I mean, I, it's not in our nature to be dishonest. We're never dishonest. I don't believe it. You know, as Judge Judy says, is, you know, if you tell the truth, you don't have to worry about having a good memory. Yeah. So, and I live by that because yeah. it's so true. Um, but I think the, a lot of the dishonest shops are no longer in existence. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for the most part, there's a lot of great shops out there. Um, there's a lot of great dealerships out there. Um, and people's opinions of auto repair, it's just a cloud that we can't seem to get out from under. Um, but that's probably the most misconception that I believe um, is, is earning their trust. Um, and that's okay. I, I want to earn their trust. I don't expect someone to walk through the door and instantly trust us. Mm-hmm. I want the opportunity to be trusted. Um, and then I can take it from there. We can take it from there. Right? I got a very honest shop. And, you know, I don't think it's as dishonest. I mean, years ago, you know, used car dealers, they used to turn, cl- you know, they, they always heard about the odometers being turned back and all that. But since the cars have been more computerized than ever, you can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, it's burned into the computer. So you can't change it. And yeah, you can even they even have indicators like a bmw for instance if you take a computer from one car to another car it sets a little light off in your dashboard that gives you an indicator that the that the odometer might not be the right uh mileage Mm -hmm. um so i think that dishonesty has gone away a lot um people don't like to pay for car repairs Mm -hmm. i mean you know diagnosing i mean that that really is you know if i had to start subcategorizing what people don't embrace is diagnosing a car. I mean, they, they say, Oh, just hook it up to the computer and you know, you can find out mm-hmm. now the computer puts you on a trail and then as many light lefts and rights off yeah. that trail. Yeah. And you know, if it's, you know, you're going down the, the trail a little bit and, and then you come, well, if it's got five volts, you go this way. If it's got 10 volts, you go that way. Mm-hmm. And then if it's got, you know, it, it, it's just this, it, it's very intricate. And um, people think you still should work for free. Yeah. And, and it's just not the way it is anymore. It just isn't. I mean, you don't, don't go to the doctor and expect not to get charged. Yep. You know, and then, and then God forbid, if a check engine light comes back on after you had it fixed already, uh, you know, they, they, you know, just don't buy a BMW <laughs> and that won't happen. <laughs> You know, but I mean, I think people need to relax a little bit. I don't think anybody's out there trying to take advantage of them. Mm. So, I mean, that's the most challenging part. There's three main things any business should tell customers. And those three things are time, quality, and money, Mm. right? If you want things done in uh, a timely manner, fast, you're not going to have great great quality or and it's going to cost a lot. You know what I mean? So like you have to give to receive, you know Mm. what I mean? And, or if you want something done quality, it's going to cost time and money. Right. You know, if you don't have a lot of money and those three things are very important to every aspect of business. And when, when you have customers, you should always tell them that. Like I've had customers that come to me and say, Hey, uh, I need this made $200 and I need it by Friday. I'm like, okay, it's not that much money and it's a very quick turnaround. 
Uh, I'm like, all right, I can do it. It's not going to be great quality. And they're like, okay, that's fine. So I print the part, ship it, they get it, and they're like, this isn't great quality. I'm like, what did I say in the freaking email, dude? You wanted it in four days for dirt cheap, and it's a large part. What do you think it was going to come in like it was forged in like this state-of-the-art? Well, look at a printer, like like a regular printed piece of paper. Yeah. You do it quick. It's pixelated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, if you do it slow... Yep. So a 3D printer, I imagine, works the same way. You yeah, want a good, very clear similar. picture, you got to do it slower. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, I know it's 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 tough. Yeah, it, it it's something that even and I love this quote. I love Steve Jobs is one of my business idols, and mm-hmm. in the movie with Steve Jobs, Michael Fassbender. I'm not sure if Steve Jobs ever said this, but he probably did. He said, uh, "The person who came up with the quote, the customer is always right." was most right. definitely a customer. <laughs> wow, true. That's true. Um, because, unfortunately, that's not always the case. <laughs> no, I have a friend of mine in my B&I group. He, he, he mentioned it. He mentioned it right. He goes, the customer is not always right, mm-hmm. but they do come first. Yes, absolutely. You know, and that was, that was a quote, Dave DeCamp. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's, he's one of my mentors. I really look up to him. He's yeah. very, very good. Yeah. Um, so I know we had talked a little bit about marketing and you said how relationships was very important um, when you first started, you know, obviously because referral base word of mouth is the king in your type of industry. Yes. But was there any other type of marketing? You know, 1998, there wasn't really a whole lot of online marketing or anything like I that. Yellow pages. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> remember those? No, I was born, <laughs> you know, in, I was born in 2001. Oh, so. oh, oh geez, 2001. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you don't remember yellow pages. Nope. So I think what Sam is like a, <laughs> only a year older than me. Yeah. So he's, yeah, yeah. He's, he's just a year so, younger um, than you. Yeah, so what were some of the other effective mark? That was the question. What is some of the other effective well, marketing strategies. I, I had business cards, actually, that worked very well. Mm-hmm. See, one of the things that w- helped us get off the ground is I lived in West Warwick. Mm-hmm. And on the way from Appenog in Warwick to West Warwick, there was maybe four restaurants on the way every night. Mm-hmm. Every time I got, in fact, my I used to have my daughters do it, too, is... I would come home at night, and these restaurants would be full of cars. Mm -hmm. And I had a business card printed out before, you know, naive one, but it it worked. Is I had a big stop sign on it, and it was stop paying the price of the dealer, and it had my name on it and my information. And every night, sometimes two or three times a night, I would go to these restaurants and I would walk by the left front door, and I was pretty good at it. And the little wipe that's at the bottom of the window that slides down, mm-hmm. I would walk by and not even miss a beat while I was walking by, and I'd slide one of the card right th- right in between <laughs> that little wiper and the and the door window. Yep. And uh, and it really didn't get people mad. It's not like you put them on their wipers and yeah. they drive off and then all of a sudden they got this paper flopping around and yeah. get aggravated and get mad at you. Mm-hmm. So it was just right at that. And that worked for us pretty well. Uh, Yellow Pages 
worked pretty well for us. Can you but we always what had yellow to spend pages are for people that may not know what well, yellow pages are. Years ago, <laughs> <laughs> way back when, there was publications, you know, regular book size publications with mm-hmm. about I don't know six hundred pages in alphabetical order of everybody's phone. You know, they had white pages and yellow pages. The book was split in half. You can easily see white and yellow, and all the yellow represented businesses, and all the white. And this residents. was on com- on a computer. This was on no computer. No, no. no oh, okay. No, this, that's this what was, I was saying. Yeah, that's is, what I was saying. Like online marketing. Oh, online. Like I know marketing. what a phone book is. Like we had a phone book. Oh when yeah, I was a phone kid. book. Yeah. Well, yeah. All right. Yeah. So that's that's you know. But that was way back. Yeah. You mentioned about you know what worked early on. Mm-hmm. That, that is what worked early yeah. early on. Um, our first online thing, actually, I guess our first online publication might have been through the has yellow pages were fading out a little they used to have you know start off with a website mm-hmm. um and they had a very basic website and i even forget what it was all about it was pretty easy to navigate through and unlike today um i guess that was that was probably it and and you know it was all fairly new to us so i mm-hmm. i I can't remember back that far yeah. to see what I, you know, to give you an effective ad campaign that yeah. worked for us. Yeah. But it was being in front of people that, that, that really worked. And like I said, you know, early on in business was the business cards and, yeah. and yellow pages and yeah. um, digital marketing. Um, I'd have to say is the yellow pages once offered a free website with the ad. Mm-hmm. And that was like the very beginning of our, uh, website design that was mm-hmm. probably in I don't know probably 2000 2001 yeah. 2002 somewhere in there mm-hmm. it was many years ago for us okay so let's fast forward to COVID right uh, during COVID was the BNI referral base your most effective referral type marketing type during COVID or was there something else that you guys did to help stay afloat um well I've learned some things through COVID, well, through my coaching, because one of the things that we started to do probably t- probably 12 years ago now, we have business coach, mm-hmm. uh, coaches. We used to have business coaches. One was out of Utah. The other one was out of Colorado. Um, I would travel back and forth from Colorado and back. Um, but... W- these guys being from the West Coast, a lot of what goes on in the West Coast eventually moves over to the East Coast. So I mm-hmm. feel like we were a little ahead of our time. And what they were doing on when COVID hit is, you know, they, they sanitizing cars, um, obviously wearing masks. We were picking up, um, picking up. Uh, people's cars instead of them have to come out to us we were going out to them Mm -hmm. and then our driver would get to their driveway and clearly sanitize everything wipe everything down put their bill in the mailbox you know Mm -hmm. everything was you know taboo you couldn't do anything um but one of the the greatest things that we got and before demand was like well before demand was very high was a fogging machine it was just nothing more than a gun that you turned on. You put pure alcohol in the thing. We used to buy it by the gallons. And uh, and pour it in, turn the machine on. Mm-hmm. It would warm up, and then it would just, you know, just it would just fog out. 
And it was really cool because we were able to fog the whole car and it would get it would get in spots that you just wouldn't even think of wiping down, you know, between mm-hmm. the seats and stuff and all that, you know, all that stuff. The fog would just like fumigate the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it also gave that alcohol smell. So it was real to people because mm-hmm. they could smell it when they get in. Oh, geez, they good. They sanitized my car, mm-hmm. you know. So um, but. You know, that worked for us. And another thing that worked for us was just simple kindness. We had some elderly clients of ours, and, you know, we would ask them, do you want us to go get your groceries? You know, we would pull up to the house, and we'd see their garbage cans that were empty. We'd bring them back to the house for them. Um, so it was all little things like that that really helped us through COVID. Mm-hmm. Um you know, everybody was in a panic. Uh, you know, we lost a few employees because they were elderly, the elderly, or, you know, we had a, a technician that had a young child at home. Um, so, you know, they didn't want to come back. And it was like, geez, you know, I had people, you know, the way human nature is, they're, they're, they, they know there's a crisis going on. They know you're shorthanded. We had people towing cars out of our shop because we didn't get to it because it was only like two of us there, three mm. of us there. Mm. And it was like, it was a horrible time. Um, and it was a horrible time because just we couldn't get anything done. It was yeah. terrible. Um, but as time went on, it got better. Um, but COVID, COVID really beat up everybody. I yeah, think, absolutely. But unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, you know, but I've said this before on the podcast, you can't just always, you know, feel bad for yourself right. and you have to look at everything that's tough as a learning experience experience, mm-hmm. you know, and, and there's always, there's definitely going to be another time where business is tough, business is hard, but you always fall back on those times that said, okay, what happened then and what made us successful and how were we able to persevere, mm-hmm. you know, through that. Right. Um, and I mean, I started my business um february 27th 2020 is when i incorporated nice. custom 3d so yeah. <laughs> not the Tough best of time because it's not like i could go there were no trade shows nothing like that and to get in front of big manufacturers that need parts that's the best way to do it you know because mm. they're not searching like they're not going on google to like i run google ads and things like that big manufacturers don't really do that you know they get most of their business through trade shows yeah you know so that was tough, but I was very lucky. You know, I had my family. You know, I just graduated high school in my second semester of college, so I was yeah. lucky. Um, but yeah, it, it's um, that's how I look at it. And uh, honestly, I'm one of the very lucky people that can say, you know, without COVID, I would not be where I am today. Right. Because online school happened, and I could not stand online college. It drove me insane. I couldn't learn anything. Yeah, I imagine it's tough. Like, why would I watch a professor tell me how to do this equation on Zoom when I could just go look it up on YouTube for free? Right. Taking up time, you can do it. The whole point of a college education is to go. Yeah, my son, Sam, Sam got a little cheated with that too because of that uh, COVID stuff, but. You know, I mean, it was it was it's just tough time, mm-hmm. I mean, and and the repercussions from it, uh, yeah. the shortages of this, and then the the, the containers, you know, yeah. they were not getting unloaded. We had so many 
challenges with parts. Yeah. I mean, we, simple stuff. I'm not talking, you know, some weird part that's hard to get anyway. I'm talking about oil filters on back order. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, how bad is that? Yeah. You know, and no sign of when they're coming in. Mm-hmm. Or waiting for a part for a month. It's supposed to be here in, you know, say September 20th. September 20th rolls around. It goes on back order again for another month while the car's off the road. And mm. they're in my loaner car. Mm. You know, it's like, what do you do? Do I get my loaner back or do I let them continue to use it? Then mm-hmm. they got to rent a car. And it's like, it's just a terrible time. So good thing you mentioned that. Explain the loaner car program that you have and what why you decided to do that because not every auto shop does that obviously so what made you want to start doing that well i mean any benefit that we can provide to a client is a competitive advantage over our competition Mm -hmm. now i consider i don't consider other repair shops my size or not competition Mm mm-hmm a lot of them are my friends. Mm-hmm. I got a, quite a few shop owners that are my friends. They're, you know, I don't look at them as a competitor. I look at it, you know, some people take it to heart when, when you know, my client is in your shop. You know, all of a sudden I'm calling you the bad guy mm-hmm. when my client's in your shop. I don't look at it that way. I look yeah. at it, I did something that my client went to your shop, not because I pushed my client to your shop, not that you tried to grab my client so um but the dealerships they all have loaner cars mm-hmm. and i've always wanted to get loaners mm-hmm. i always thought it would be a great thing this you know it's almost instant a car comes in and the guy's in you know a, a, a woman is in in dire straits and um and can't you know, go anywhere, don't have loaners, don't have anything. I don't, I can't help that client. Mm-hmm. So I started off with like two loaner cars, you know, cheap, low budget, just to be able to say, hey, here's a car for you. And today we have seven loaner cars. Uh, we have, let's see, three Mercedes C300s. We got a Lexus GS350. We got a Lexus ES350. We have a Toyota Prius, and it's the seventh one. Seventh one. Got seven of them. I think maybe <laughs> that was seven. Um, it's just a great thing to be able to offer to somebody, mm-hmm. and you know, it's gotten to the point now because we've had them for four years. It's gotten to the point now that they people come to expect them so it's mm. like oh, i need a loaner you know well geez i got nine cars coming in i got seven loaners i, I, I can't help you you know but yeah. then i get them in you know when i can mm-hmm. um but i think it's a great it's a great thing to be able to offer somebody a loaner car while their car is in for service mm-hmm. i mean it is part of our service you know we have our name elite so I, there's a lot of things we do that other repair shops don't do. Yeah. I mean, we like I said, we 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 have seven loaner cars. We have a three-year, thirty-six thousand-mile repair warranty. We wash, vacuum, and clean the windows of every car that comes in for service, unless the weather permits us not to. Um, we'll pick up and deliver your car. I have a driver that that's all he does all day is 
is drive cars to the car wash and back, picks up clients, drops them off, goes gets parts for us. Just he's he's more the uh, he calls himself the gopher, but he's <laughs> an intelligent man. He's retired. He actually worked at Inskip as a finance guy, mm-hmm. um, but he's a great addition to our team, and uh, and that's what he does. He's he knocks all the obstacles down so we can go forward Mm -hmm. and and he's very important to have in our group because without him somebody else would have to do it so and what do you now what are you asking you asking the technician to do it that's responsible for getting work out the door you asking the sales guy that's responsible for selling work you know so we got to have that guy so i think part of who we are is is being there for the client when they need us mm-hmm. you know and in every way not just we can repair your car but if you need a loaner and you get your car cleaned and we got a great warranty mm-hmm. all that is what combined that is part of our success is the fact that we we are able to uh successfully pull this all off and still deliver value to the client mm-hmm. which is which is, you know, something that we like to do. Absolutely. So, so I've got three final questions for you. Sure. All right. So let's let's do this first question. Um, new cars, stay away from. You mentioned BMW. Is that the car brand you say stay away from? Well, there's other ones out there that I would put before BMW. Okay. And I wouldn't say stay away from them. Yeah. I would say, would you rather car. have a reliable car or an exciting car to drive? <laughs> <laughs> if you want an exciting car to drive, European, hands down. Yeah. You want a reliable car and you don't want to spend a lot of money repairing it and being in the shop, then my blood is Toyota and Lexus. So what would you but, put before BMW then? Has reliable in the European cars? That's that's oh you should stay away from. Land Rover. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, did, I don't know why I didn't think of that. You no, know, I always are... go by average repair orders. Yeah. Okay. For instance, you know, Toyota, Lexus. Well, let's say Toyota. Toyota's average repair order is probably in the neighborhood of you know five to seven hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lexus probably seven to nine hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. BMW probably nine to twelve hundred dollars. Land Rover mm. probably eighteen hundred to twenty two hundred. <laughs> Why average repair order? Why does so, that happen? Is it just the quality of the parts or the quality of of the manufacturing? Like, um, why do you think that happens? Well, I don't know. I suspect, unlike Toyota and that we talked about earlier in Lexus, is they're always looking for the newest, the greatest. So mm. they don't really perfect anything. Mm. They got some really cool stuff out there. But they're all junk. But they're but they, they're unreliable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, yeah I, I would have to say I mean I guess that's what it is. Yeah. I, I, I really don't know why one could be so reliable and others are not so reliable other than everyone's trying to be more uh innovative than others. Would Jaguar kind of fall Jag under falls the right same. in there with the land Rovers. yeah because it's the it's same British. brand they were there you know, so well, they were bought out by like an indian company weren't they i yeah. lost track of who yeah. owns who anymore and then but. well some of the new like not new but like brands that are coming back like alfa romeo 
mm-hmm. are coming back. Uh, Maserati re- has released a couple of SUVs. Though right. they're under Stellantis, right? Right. Both of those companies are Alfa Romeo and right. and Maserati. Um, but are, are those cars so, like well, sort of. Okay, when you get into or? the Maseratis, I mean, and the Ferraris and the Lamborghinis. I mean, we do our fair share of them. We do. Yeah. We do quite a few. In fact, we got a Maserati at the shop now. But I can't really speak for them like I can the other cars. Yeah. You know, so, um, so Maserati. I can tell you this is when you get into the Maseratis, you get into the Italian cars, you want to talk about trying to find information on them. Yeah. It's next to horrible. Yeah. Um, they just are so tight lipped about everything. Yeah. Um, if you're not, if you don't have your wallet out, forget about it. You're, <laughs> you're not getting information. You can't get it anywhere. Yeah. I've always looked, I've always strongly, like I, I'm my, I have family that's Italian, but I've always hated the Maserati brand. Mm. I've always thought like, well, they're BMW competitors, but they charge more and you get less horsepower and they're even more unreliable than BMWs mm-hmm. and there's less people that have them. So like, what's the point of getting one? Like, I don't think like when you say BMW and Maserati in my head, I don't think w- Maseratis are cooler. I don't think they're, they're, no. a, like, I don't know if I put them in the same category though. I look at Mercedes, Audi, BMW, you know, yeah. in the same category. Maserati, I, mean, I kind of put in there with Maserati, Lamborghini, Ferrari. Really? Uh, huh. it, you know. Well, with the grand. I the, mean, I could be wrong yeah. with that. It's just I don't know. I just separate them as different cars. Yeah. You know, and however, I put I put Porsche in that exotic yeah. kind of group too. Well, as yeah, well. probably like Porsche and Maserati you know, so, are. Like yeah, the they're, closest. they're they're more in that subcategory yeah. than, than the German savvy. Yeah, because uh, they're. So, they're nicer than BMWs and right. Mercedes. I mean, term- I think what you're getting with those cars, you're getting softer leather, you're getting mm. thicker car, thick, thicker carpeting. Mm. Um, you know, I, I mean, you're getting you, you're getting you know a nicer smell to the leather. Mm. You know, you're getting more leather. You know, because some of these cars they have a leather seat bottom, but yeah. the sides are pleather. Yeah. You know, where Maserati and these. Uh, other Italian cars, you're getting pure leather, yeah. real leather, yeah. baseball glove leather, yeah. soft leather. Mm. You know, that's another thing. There's different grades of leather. So well, I then think you got you're the crap getting... stuff in the Teslas, the vegan leather. Yeah, right. Well, that, there you go. That you have so for a that's... week and then starts turning the color of your pants. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I think, honestly, in my opinion, the greatest car brand uh, is Hyundai. <laughs> no, well, I'm just Hyundai's kidding. Come I'm just way. kidding. I'm just saying they that because I have one. Way. I'm not a Hyundai fan, <laughs> but they're a lot better than they used to be. Yeah. Well, I love my. I have a they Hyundai. They bought the market, is what they did yeah. with their with buying engines and transmissions almost for the life of the car. Mm-hmm. They they bought that product, but they were slick with their marketing too. Is is Hyundai? Mm-hmm. Is Hyundai? I believe when they first came out came out, they had like this ten year powertrain warranty they still might they still do 10 year 100,000 I don't know if they still do but they they did at one point and what they did do is their bumper to bumper stuff they only had for a year I think Mm -hmm. so what would happen is yeah they would stand behind the engine for 10 years but you know god forbid if your cup holder broke in a year and a half you were buying a new cup holder yeah but the other thing that they did very well is they protected their parts patenting 
reproduction. Mm -hmm. So if you wanted simple stuff for Hyundai for a long time, I'm not in that market, so I really don't know. But I remember at times you had to buy your brake pads and your rotors right off from the Hyundai dealer. Oh, because really? no, they wouldn't let any of these other brands, you know, aftermarket brands reproduce them. Mm. Um, so they were slick. They didn't make their money on the car as much as they did the after the after the sale, and that's how they they mm. really rose to the top, or they rose mm. pretty quickly. Yeah, is they they just knew what to let the general public have and what not to and then was smart enough to know that if your cup holder breaks in a year and a half you're buying a new cup yeah (laughs) yeah all right so second to last question uh you sort of mentioned this i think i know what the answer to this is but i'm going to ask it anyways what would you say you're most proud of in your business most proud of yeah I would have to say my team I'm yeah. most proud of. Okay. You know, I got my business partner. You know, let's go back to my business partner, my mm-hmm. wife, my ex-wife now. She is there 100% behind us, mm-hmm. period. I don't care if it's 10 o'clock at night, she texts me about something. You know what I mean? She's there 100%. Mm-hmm. My son, my daughter, uh, my service advisor, my three technicians, my dispatcher, my driver, um, everyone is there because they want to be there. Mm-hmm. They want to be there. They, 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 you know, do we make mistakes? Yes, we do. Does anybody in my place try to avoid mistakes? Everyone does. So I have to say without them, we wouldn't be where we're at. So they're, they're the, what I'm most grateful about. And, you know, it's not just me myself but we get reviews mm-hmm. constantly we get two or three reviews a day that come in complimenting everybody on my staff mm-hmm. so that makes me feel good that makes me feel good yeah. that they come in and say oh sam did a great job or mike did a great job or nate did a great job and you know the the driver was friendly mm-hmm. uh bill was friendly um you know that tells me that we're being well represented and that's what i'm proud of um and i lied i I actually just thought of another question um what is the most peculiar car that you've worked on like what is like the the rarest or most peculiar car that has came into the shop (laughs) my infamous 1946 cadillac uh that one i mean that was my Biggest sale for work and probably a job that I lost the most money on. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's funny how that works out. Funny how that works yeah, out. Yeah. Um, it, was, it, was, it was a 46 Cadillac limousine. Yeah. And one of our clients has a collection of all these weird stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it stayed and lived in our building for about two years, minimally, maybe closer to three, <laughs> um, was every step of the way that car fought us. Um, one of the cool things that I'll still say about it, it was actually featured in the movie, The Godfather. Really? Yeah. So it it had a little bit of like bragging rights to it because yeah. it was, and, and we watched you know the movie. Scene? It was the wedding scene with Al Pacino. It was a maroon colored 
Cadillac uh, limo, limo mm-hmm. not limos like we know. It's some hunchback looking yeah. four door, extra yeah. long kind of thing. It's yep. not wasn't wasn't real you know fancy like they are now. But yeah, it's if you're familiar with The Godfather, there's a wedding scene. Movie. And it's, it's a maroon one with a black vinyl top on it. That's the car. And that car was in my shop for three years. Wow. And we lost the most money on that car. <laughs> but uh, it was definitely, that was the one that really handed our tails to us, was mm-hmm. that car. Interesting. That was, that was, that was, uh, that's the one that'll be most memorable for me. Very cool. Were you looking over your shoulder the whole time when you were working on it, making oh, sure nobody's yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it was, it was cool. It yeah. was a cool car, and yep. it, and the guy couldn't be a nicer guy. I mean, the guy that owns the car. I mean, I love the guy that owns the car. I mean, he was just such a nice guy, but that car was just bad luck for us. Yeah. Well, all right. So the last question I end every podcast with is this question right here. If you were to leave one piece of advice for the listeners, it could be business, life, any piece of advice you want it to be, what would that be? Well, we didn't touch on this much, and it, it's not a benefit to my business at all, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak from the heart here. These aftermarket warranties mm-hmm. that you hear about, you know, we have one on TV that's always on TV. We got, uh, you know, of course, everybody knows these aftermarket warranties. Um, I cannot stress enough about these car warranties. Mm -hmm. Make sure you know what you're buying when you buy them. Mm -hmm. If you're going to buy one of those warranties, absolutely go through somebody that has a little skin in the game, like a, a bona fide dealership. You know, like we got many of them around here, the bona fide ones, you know, the Belices or the Tasca or, you know, Inskips. Buy the warranties from them guys. Mm-hmm. Or maybe AAA. Mm-hmm. Don't buy it from someone who calls you on the phone. Don't go on the internet and try to save $1,000 and buy one that pops up that all reads well mm-hmm. because they are horrible mm-hmm. and they're getting worse every day. So... You know, my most cautionary thing, if I could, I can do a podcast on, on that, on that, on those car warranties. I would love to get awareness out there. Mm-hmm. Do not buy those warranties unless you know what you're getting into. Well, very cool. Is there any life advice that you sort of live by every day that you want to share? <laughs> uh, well, I've made a few mistakes in my life. Um, all I can say is 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 just be honest. Love what you do. Um, take every day as you know a, as a gift mm-hmm. because uh, things can change real quickly. For Absolutely. You. Well, I really appreciate you sharing all that information. I've had a great time talking to you. Absolutely. So thank you very much for coming on. Yes, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for inviting me. Not a problem. Yeah, I look forward to every podcast. You know, you never know what you can unlock through conversation. You know, something that I've discovered, this is the 49th episode. So the next episode should be the 50th. Um, And I think that's the biggest thing I've learned is that, you know, you never know what you can learn just from sitting down and talking. You know what I mean? And just having a... Look, I didn't like for people watching. There's nothing here. This is my preparation. <laughs> I just wrote down and I'm like, I'm like, because you're limited by, 
by question sometimes. Right. You don't want to be cookie cutter. Well, you know I, what I, mean? I love these, you know, what do they call them? Improv or whatever they call them. Just these yeah. spare the moment things. Because I came here not having a clue to what we were going to talk about. Yeah. And I'm thinking in my head, well, if he asks this, I'll do this. If he asks that, I'll say that. You know, and, and it was just like I'm trying to anticipate my whole half hour ride here on how is this going to be exciting? How are we going to sound, you know, how are we going to keep people engaged? Mm-hmm. And uh, just the way we did it, I think, uh, for me anyway, made it a lot easier to do this podcast just by the way you orchestrated it. Oh, it was, thank it was you. just It was well done. Thank so. you very much. Well, it was uh, a lot of fun, too. Yeah, thank you. I, I love doing it. And uh, for all you listening, make sure to uh, leave the podcast a review on every platform. Also, if you're watching on YouTube, you can subscribe. And uh, you can also like it. If you liked the episode, go ahead and like it. Uh, also, we offer a subscription service through Patreon.com. You just look up Knowledge is Power on Patreon.com, and you can get early access to all episodes. Uh, like I stated earlier, this episode is being... Uh, recorded on January 6th. It won't be available for a couple more weeks on widely available platforms, but it will be available on Patreon either today or tomorrow. Uh, So you can get episodes weeks in advance. You can also interact with other people that listen to the podcast. Um, So yeah, thank you very much for listening, everybody. And thank you, Jim, for coming on. Thank you for having me. And I will catch you guys in the next one.